Hello, humans, and welcome to another Season 2 episode of Sinister Soup. Today we will be doing one of our author interviews with Mickey Flinkfelt, the author of the book Zinnia and the Original People. How are you today, Nikki? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. So, um, Zinnia and the Original People, could you tell us a little bit about your book before we kind of jump into the questions here for the audience? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I'll just kind of talk a little bit about, um, so um, I have kind of a write-up here. I don't know if you want me just to read it. Yeah, however you're, you feel comfortable telling us about your book. Okay. All right. So um, basically, um, in the future, um, Advanced Gerontological Enterprises, um, or AGE for short, they discover the fountain of youth, so now people are aging slower and living longer. The whole planet wanted this technology, so they were able to take over the government and unite the world as the seven nations. Um, Because people age slower and live longer, now there's an overpopulation problem. Fearing resources would be depleted too quickly, um, they came up with this story that they found the secret to life and what happens after you die. And that is that you just go on to your next life. Mm -hmm. Um, So after age announces this discovery, um, they changed their name to New Life, which is obviously a little bit easier to say than gerontological. Um, The government creates these um, transfer pods um, that they use to send willing citizens to their promised new life, but in reality, it's um, to their deaths. Mm -hmm. In order to um, maintain the balance of equality, they eradicated all religion, languages, holidays, art, music, musical instruments, books, creativity of any kind. So the story basically starts off with Zinnia on her 30th birthday. And she's moving out of her mom's house for the first time as per government procedure. Because they age slower, she's basically like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, so this whole system doesn't sit well with her. And um, when she starts her new job at the New Life Capital, um, she has a panic attack when she sees all the people standing in the transfer lines. Um, But what really gets to her is when she sees the children standing in the little angels line. So parents basically can kill their children up until they hit puberty. When when she moves into her sister's apartment, she ends up finding a book that was planted there by the original people. um, And they they call themselves Top. At the request of their father, who had gone missing three years beforehand. The book sends Zinnier, her sister May, and her best friend Lily on a hunt for answers, where they find themselves in the underground just months before um, Top plans to take over the government. So the girls, they use the clues that were left in the book and help from these really super intelligent birds, and they help with the takeover, and at the same time, they uncover even more government secrets. You really highlighted like one of the biggest parts of it was you you have a really cool like world that you've built, at least in the first sort of half of the book that I've gotten through so far. I'm just curious, like what was the inspiration you had behind this like discovery of the fountain of youth turning sort of dystopian? Because I thought that was a, a cool take on that. Well, I guess I just needed a concept that would accelerate the overpopulation problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause let's be honest, we aren't that far away from this idea that one day the world will be overpopulated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you just throw in people living longer and now there's an even bigger problem. Um, and basically a reason for the government to make up the transfer pod story. Good point. I mean, it's a cool 
focus to have overpopulation at sort of the center of that dystopian, like, I don't know, what you, uh, existential dread. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, that's a cool concept that you came up with. And the other thing I kind of wanted to ask about was, uh, where did you come up with the spurs? Like, how did you settle on the, the spurs that you you have in your story? Yeah, so that was actually inspired by the book, um, A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Mm -hmm. So in that novel, um, he gives his future um, people ways to entertain themselves. So they have this special drug that they get to use, and eventually they've made their people not have partners so they can basically be really open with each other and kept busy and, and kept happy. I wanted the same kind of future for my book. In order for there to be real government control, they had to keep their citizens happy and not thinking for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're happy and you're busy, you won't question your government, you know, idle hands, you know? Yeah, yeah. So how did you come... How did you come up with the spurs that you chose? Um, can you remind me what they are? Five of them? Is that right? Yeah. Um, it's lover, leader, learner, thrill seeker, gamer, foodie. Um, I just kind of tried to take into um, the things that we already have that are really important right now. Mm -hmm. The things that people really care about these days. And I mean, obviously, there are tons of other things out there, but... Um, the things that I see the most are, you know, people who are just, their lives are all about food. And then you have people who their lives are all about finding the love of their life. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and then, you know, thrill seekers, those are people that love sports and they love just going out there and doing everything um, game related. And then you have people who can't get off their video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, and then I have uh, leaders and learners, and those are two categories that have basically dwindled away to nothing. Um, and both of those, you know, the learners, they just, they don't exist anymore because people don't want to think for themselves anymore. And then the leaders don't exist because, well, there's government control and they don't want people being leaders. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so are the Spurs are created by the government, right? Yeah. So why did they create, uh, out of curiosity, why would they create the leaders and learners categories at all um, if their intention is to have a distracted populace? Well, you know, this is created in the very beginning of things when the world still believes that they have control. Mm. So allowing mm -hmm. them to have that and allowing them to believe that they have a choice, even though really they don't. Because they knew that eventually people would stop wanting to be those things. Is there like a, uh, is there money, money and stuff? Um, I just have them doing credits. I think a lot of sci-fis do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So you don't get paid anymore to be a leader, right? So like, uh, Right. Well, I mean, everybody gets the credits, um, but it's, I don't know if you would call it like socialist, but you, you get, you work all your hours, you get paid for half of them. The other half goes towards your basic living expenses, you know, goes medical, mm -hmm. food, like everybody gets food for free. Um, they're just cardboard protein bars, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who's going to be? A, yeah. Why would you want to be a leader if you could be like a lover professionally? You know, <laughs> well, wouldn't it's not that be the way to go? 
it's not your profession. It's what you do outside of your profession. It's like what you spend the mm. rest of your life doing. Does the government also pick your profession for you? No, you get to pick that. Mm. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's a, yeah, it's a really fascinating, new life was kind of a cool structure to be like, go into, but I also found it in, really engaging to that. It's like set in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I don't have as much experience there, but every time I visited Clayton, Clay lives there um, in the Pacific Northwest. And it was cool that you had like kind of this new life structure and outside of it is this dense like forest of the PNC um, or sorry. Yeah. PN dub. PN dub. (laughs) Not bad. (laughs) (laughs) What, what kind of, was your book always heavily influenced by that landscape or did the story kind of go there later? Nope, it's always been there um, because I actually live here. You know, they say write what you know, and Mm -hmm. I wanted to be as accurate as possible. (laughs) Um, And I know all about Washington, so um, that's how I wanted it to be. Uh, My next book is going to be in Brazil, so I'm going to have to research that a lot more. (laughs) Or you could just move there. (laughs) I know, I could just go there. (laughs) Just go there for your research purposes. Um, That's what a learner would do, right? exactly yeah is that the spur that you would pick if you could pick any spur honestly no (laughs) (laughs) would you be a foodie i would be a lover oh yeah okay yeah yeah i've uh definitely gone through my fair share of bad relationships but i never gave up and i kept looking for one and i finally got one so oh yeah good yeah congratulations thank you i think i would definitely be a foodie <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think it would just be, you know, I I don't think I'd ever go to the level of like taking pictures of my food for Instagram, but if <laughs> my entire hobby basis was just built around eating, I'm fine yeah. with that. I'm fine with that. I think yeah. you would. I think you would because right now your entire hobby is based around like watching movies and reading books and that's what's on your Instagram, so <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> I think you'd have foodie pictures all over all uh, over Instagram. That's true. Maybe. What would you be, Clay? <laughs> I'd probably be a thrill seeker. I, I'm a rock climber. Uh, um, so that's like, if my posts aren't about writing or books, then they're usually about climbing. So I guess I'd have to be, I'd probably have to be that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my secondary main character is actually um, a teacher, a rock climbing teacher for children. So... <laughs> Oh, nice. Awesome. Lily. Yeah, yeah. She's a fun character. Um, I know. She's she's great. <laughs> I like the dynamic that you provided with having like a thrill seeker, a learner, and a lover as mm-hmm. the three heads. So you kind of get this, like, I think that's what makes a very dynamic person is mm-hmm. kind of like a balance between some of those things. But another thing I wanted to, which I wanted to ask was um, you gave your, your primary character, Zinnia, kind of has like clinical anxiety mm-hmm. um which yeah what what brought you to that as as sort of that the one like hindrance the character has in her her journey um honestly i'm not entirely sure why i chose that i am um, i think well you know i've experienced a lot of anxiety myself so again writing what i know you, you always have to give your character a flaw and mm-hmm. i i think you know if, especially if you're questioning the government, I would be totally anxiety ridden. 
living in this crazy fake world that I know is fake and nobody else knows it mm-hmm. seems like something that would be believable, I guess. Yeah. Um, so what does like home life look like for one of these characters? If they're, they're home till they're 30, man, I'm 30 right now. Like <laughs> if I, if I'd been home the whole time, I can't imagine what I would have been doing this whole time. Like what, what, uh, what's home life like for these people that stay with their parents till they're 30? If, well, if they don't get executed, that is. <laughs> um, well, it's the same. It's just the same as it is for people until they're 18. They just have extra time. And they age slower. So mentally, it's the same as, you know, being 18 when you move out. And then, you know, like I said, uh, the Spurs were created because, you know, they, they didn't want people to be bored. And basically, with more time in your life, that's what would happen. So that's kind of what what they direct what they direct people towards you know is spending their extra time doing those extracurriculars so do you you start like doing your spur stuff while you're still at home am i understanding that correctly yeah um puberty basically Mm -hmm. once you hit puberty your parents can no longer kill you and you're expected to uh (laughs) (laughs) expected to find a spur yeah. Right on. It'd be kind of awkward to be a lover while you're still living with your parents, right? You got like a solid like 18 years <laughs> that you're still stuck at mom's house. It'd, it'd be hard to be a, a lover under those circumstances. Dating or, would be different. Yeah, I guess. I didn't really think about that. That'd be awkward. Yeah, unless um, you got an Oedipus complex, but I don't really want to go into that joke any further. <laughs> than just that surface level mention of it right there no let's keep it right there we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna move on because this is a pg show it is it's a pg book so it is no oedipus complexes that's good uh for a non-seamless transition here i am curious to ask you like when did you start writing What, what was the beginning of your your writing life and process Well, I've been writing my whole life, but I mostly wrote like poetry and stuff when I was younger. It wasn't the best, (laughs) but but I kept saying for years that I wanted to be an author and I just loved writing. And um, I finally started writing this book in 2018. Um, It's it's taken a really long time, but I've gone through a bunch of stuff in my life. So kind of had to put it on hold for a little while and then I picked it back up and when I picked it back up I busted it out in a few months and you know after that it just editing and all that stuff takes forever Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I'm incorrect on this but you're self-published right I am yeah Zinnia is okay how was that process um to go through (laughs) well um trying to find agents was it was just so insane trying to like I could find agents who represented sci-fi and I could find agents who represented young adult, but I, I could not find any that represented both at the same time. Mm. So eventually after months and months and months of trying to do that, I gave up Mm -hmm. and I said, you know, I understand that the marketing part of self-publishing is a lot more difficult but I'm, I'm just going to do it. I just need to get my name out there. I just need to start working on getting some fans. And, you know, then after this first book is out, then I'll start writing on the next ones and just keep going from there. Basically, um, I went through some trial and error. Um, I went through draft digital, which is awesome. I know nothing about um, formatting or any of that stuff. 
Um, and I know that I wanted every, I wanted my book on more than just Amazon. Mm -hmm. So I went through them and they, they posted on so many different platforms. Um, and my, my book is in different countries. Um, it's all over the place. It's just crazy. And then, um, and then I made uh, my paperback through Ingram Spark and KDP. Um, so it's been, and then I, I messed something up there too. I don't know how I did it, but my, my, my first print, um, I, I ended up with the page numbers in the inside corners of the book. Oh, oh. that's not and good. No, I don't know how that happened. Um, so I had to fix that. And then there was another issue and I had to fix it again. So yeah, trial and error. I finally got it figured out, I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting to just have it out there. I know that there are so many agents out there that are so busy and overworked and there's so many authors and there's just not enough agents to go around. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I don't, I don't feel bad about going the self-publishing route. And I think that, um, I think it's great. It's kind of like musical artists who get their fame from YouTube, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, you mentioned another book set Brazil. What, what's that? Can you give us a little, like what that one's about that's coming up maybe? The next book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is going to be in Brazil. Um, so at the end of my first book, they basically are going to be going on a quest, but I don't want to give too much information out because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I would give it away. But um, basically, it's going to be a seven book series. Okay. So it's so, set the same world, same characters kind of concept thing. Yep. They're just going to be going to each of the seven nations. Mm. Well, Nikki, I we really uh, appreciate you joining us. And now we're going to lead into um, an audiobook reading. A uh, short little blurb reading of your book, Zinnia and the Original People, that Clayton's going to do. So, All right. All right. Let's do it. A breeze sent a chill through Zinnia's window. It wasn't like her to keep it open all night. But if she was going to get any sleep at all, she needed to convince her mind she wasn't suffocating. Zinnia's stomach turned as she pulled herself out of the bed. Standard government procedure required that all citizens move out of their parents' house and start their first job on their 30th birthday. She never would have considered a job at New Life if it hadn't been for her sister. May had begun working there right before her father disappeared, and Zinya could never wrap her head around her choosing to stay. But she didn't share Zinya's skepticism, and it wasn't her choice, after all. At least Zinya got to leave with a belly full of her mother's famous ration hash. Elise had a gift for turning government-issued food into delicious meals with limited supplies. Harvest was her only opportunity to work longer hours to earn extra credits. The farm was owned by the government, and she, just like everyone else, made a small wage for half the hours she worked. The other half of her working hours were required to cover basic living expenses, such as housing, food, and medical. Elise was typically the master of finding ways to support her family, but since her husband's disappearance, she struggled more than ever to make ends meet. During harvest, she stocked up on spices, canned food, and soap. Whatever she bought had to last for the year. Sometimes, she would sneak some of the wheat from the farm to make bread, but she kept it hidden in a small underground freezer. Having something besides cardboard protein bars made all the difference in the world. After breakfast, Zinnia sat at the table with her mom for a while. 
talking in the last moments they had together. The dining room had already started to feel like a distant memory, and she hadn't stepped outside of it yet. Elise took Zinnia's hand in hers and smiled warmly. It's not forever, she said. Zinnia smiled back as a tear fell down her cheek. When May finally arrived, she lowered her aircraft down in front of the small farmhouse at New Life. They called them Flybots. If Zinnia hadn't been so upset about leaving her mom, she would have been impressed that this particular one was made almost entirely out of glass. Nothing like the tin box they had on the farm that nearly killed her every year. I'm gonna miss you, Zinnia said as she hugged her mom one last time. Well, you'll do fine. I'm just a call away if you need me. Zinnia nodded her head, let go of her, and wiped her face. It was time to be strong. They lifted off, leaving a whirlwind of dust dancing around their mother. Her red hair always looked lovely against the golden wheat. May's hair color matched her mother's perfectly, but Elise's curls were so tight she kept them cut short to better manage them. Zinnia couldn't stand her tight blonde curls in her face, so she always kept them tied back. Cheer up! You're gonna love it there, I promise, May said. Zinnia smiled back at her. It was all she could do to keep from breaking down. It took a couple hours to get to Seattle from central Washington. The journey took them over the Cascade Mountains where Zinnia got to see the forest for the first time. She'd spent her whole life on the farm, so the lush greenery in front of a blue sky and billowy clouds was a nice change from the dust and tumbleweed she was used to. She wasn't a stranger to blue skies, though, as Yakima had nearly 300 days of sunshine every year. She wondered what life would be like with half of those days having rain instead. Stepping into the New Life courtyard was like walking into a giant fishbowl with its glass ceiling and walls and everything rounded with no corners. It was beautiful, with extravagant glass sculptures, but this place made her feel like she was drowning. The first thing that greeted her was a happy melody. Welcome to New Life. There were robots everywhere, cleaning and delivering food. People were gliding through the courtyard to do their jobs without a care, and to the clinics, a place she never wanted to see. In her opinion, what that greeting should have said was, Welcome to your death. That was an excerpt from Zinnia and the Original People by Nikki Flinkfelt. Um, Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your excellent work with us. Where can people find you on social media? Do you have a website? And most importantly, where can they buy your book and figure out when the next books are coming out? Um, yes, so you can go to my uh, my website is NikkiFlinkfelt.com. Nikki Flinkfelt is my handle for all social media accounts. Um, I'm mostly on TikTok right now. Um, I do have a Facebook, not so much Twitter. All right, um, so BooksToRead.com is uh, where you can buy my book electronically and then on Amazon. Um, okay, what was the other part? Um, I don't know where it's going to be like listed where you can find my next book. Um, I think it's just going to be, I guess I'll just have it on my website. Great. Okay. All right. That works. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Nikki. Um, and we look forward to finishing up the original people and seeing what you come up with in the future. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Been great talking to you and good luck with the sequels to come. Thank you. All right, so that was Nikki Flinkfeldt, author of Zinnia and the Original People. If you're into YA sci-fi, go over and check that dystopian novel out. So yeah, that's going to be a podcast. Um, another featured author of the month in the books. <laughs> 
And uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off over here after that incredibly, incredibly well put together joke. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> until next time, I have been Clay Vermolum. And I have been Travis Vermolum. And we are both still those people. Bye. Bye.